This podcast is sponsored by Blue Butterfly, the go-to cocktail bar and place to meet on Earl Street, Maidstone. Bluebutterfly.co.uk. Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Oliver Kemp. Hello, thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast. It's Thursday, August 19th. Our top story today, the owner of a restaurant forced to close after a major fire has announced miracle plans to reopen in just six weeks' time. The blaze erupted at Moomoo in Week Street in Maidstone in the early hours of July 14th, and firefighters spent hours battling it. Now, just weeks after the fire hit, owner Kieran O'Quigley has announced Fifi's Brasserie will open on Monday, October 4th. His team and contractors who have been drafted in have been working around the clock to rebuild the iconic venue, exactly as people have grown to love it over the years. Here he is speaking to KMTV. It was a difficult time, but there's no point in moping about it. You know, it's not ideal on the end of a 15-month lockdown and the nightclubs were just (laughs) about to reopen a week later. Um, But you're left with these things, you've got to deal with them. You can either lay down and and die or you can try and get up and um, so that's what we're doing and so we managed to open this part of Moo Moo's uh, where we're sat now about nine days out after the incident and um, it's quite a quick turnaround for there as well. We need to try and um, rectify everything and move quickly to try and get it all um, back and running as normal. So we've had lots of support from lots of people in Maidstone, which is great. And so that's been the real focus, is to try and get up and running uh, and back into the rhythm and, and, and swing of business again. We did say and, and, and that we were looking at going to Brighton. Um, and we had a couple of agents looking for this kind of operation in Brighton that we felt that we might want to relocate. But I mean, after all of this and the support that we've had, it's been phenomenal. We didn't realise. I mean, made this nightclub, Moomoo's, has been in Maidstone now. Not as Moomoo's, but as a nightclub. It's, I think it's nearly 50 years it's been here. So it's an iconic kind of building. And it's kind of like, um, it's a, a very famous nightclub. When it's seen all the others uh, come and go, it's remained. And so um, we didn't realise how popular it was and how popular we were. And so the community getting together, the messages of support that we've had have just been phenomenal. Not just from Maidstone, because Moomoo's attracts a crowd uh, from Tunbridge Wells, uh, Bexley, Heath, uh, London. Um, so the whole of Kent and the southeast of London come to Moomoo's. And um, yeah, we've just been spurred on by loads of support, um, loads of emails. Um, and um, yeah, a couple of haters out there as well. We we'll always get those, I suppose. Um, but yeah, so we're, it's it's been really, really good and really, really positive. And I think that's what spurs us, spurred us on as well. David Nagy is a councillor for Maidstone Borough Council. He says having the venue back open will be a great thing for the town. Moomoo's the restaurant is a major part of Maidstone's nighttime economy. Um, in I think Moomoo's itself sets the standard on how a place should be run safely you can go in there and know you're going to have a good time Um, it's well operated and uh, it's just a fantastic place to be Um, and and it is our premier place in Maidstone. We was all devastated I know I was devastated when I heard the news um, and we've all felt for Kieran the owner and his family Uh, it was devastating for them and devastating for the people at Maidstone. Um, People were ringing up with offers of help, offers of money to, to sort of re, get it re, reborn again as Moomoo's because uh, a lot of people, it's the sort of thing, you don't know what you've got until it's not there no more uh, and people missed it. 
in, uh, and it is, it is such a nice place. A two-year-old boy is in critical condition at a London hospital following a crash near Tunbridge Wells, which killed his dad. They were driving along the A267 in France yesterday when they were involved in a collision with three other vehicles. Police say a 36-year-old from Dartford died at the scene. Kent Online News. Bosses in Tunbridge are promising to offer homes for Afghan refugees fleeing the Taliban. The council says it's planning to work with private sector landlords to secure accommodation to help with the government's resettlement programme. Ashford Council have pledged to do the same, while the Abbott's Barton Hotel in Canterbury says they'll take in more than 100 vulnerable people. Residents in Thanet have told us they're disgusted at the state of their beaches as sewage has started washing up on their shores. Litter pickers say although extra council measures this summer have stopped people dropping as much rubbish, they're now having to pick up things like sanitary products and wet wipes that have come in from the sea. Barry Manners from Friends of Botany Bay is worried it could drive away visitors. We've been pulling out thousands, I would say probably tens of thousands of wet wipes, sanitary towels, all sorts of uh, non-biodegradable litter that's come from sewage outfalls over decades. Um, some of it's almost impossible to, di- to distinguish between seaweed because it's actually become part of the ecosystem. But yes, there's been more sewage spills recently, quite well publicised. And yesterday on Kingsgate Beach alone, um, a volunteer picked up three quite new sanitary towels that had just been that had obviously gone into the sea within the last week or so so where they came from who knows um i know there was a significant spill down the coast at tangerton whitstable um i know they didn't swim over from france so my guess is that we're tidal here tide flows 10 12 miles up and down every day my guess is that they flow down on the tide and just been caught up by the currents and, and the action of the wind at kingsgate and um yeah they don't belong in the sea do they it's just part of the problem as I've said, we're dependent. This is a tourist economy. We have a lot of jobs locally, a lot of livelihoods depend on the tourist industry. And you want your kids to come down, be able to build sandcastles and go for a paddle and go for a swim. I'm quite sure the fund managers at Southern Water don't bring their kids to Margate for a fortnight. Perhaps if they did, perhaps they might care a little bit more about it. But unfortunately, you'll probably find them on four deck yachts in the Mediterranean. They're not great neighbours. Um, they, they know how to talk the talk. And perhaps if... if some of the resource that was spent on PR and gloss was actually spent on putting boots on the ground to clean the beaches after their spills, we'd be a lot happier. In February, the cleaners at Joss Bay disappeared after 36, 48 hours. We were cleaning up wet wipes, sanitary products from that beach a month later. Over 100 hours, actually, with volunteers spent cleaning along that beach, pulling out thousands and thousands of these things. And when we approached them for a donation to cover the cost so that our volunteers would be insured and would have good equipment, they told us they had no budget. This is a company who makes £370,000 a day in profit. I don't want to go down to a beach and swim in the afternoon surrounded by that kind of mess. I mean, I think our standards are probably better than Southern Waters. Um, It's not acceptable, and until the statutory authorities really take Southern Water to task and punish them, The latest fine was 10% of their turnover for the period on which they were lying about these discharges, 10%. Until they're really, really punished, I think it'll continue. Um, We know that they've got a a change of ownership, this new group, this Australian group. Their record with Thames Water was not great. Let's wait and see. But, you know, the onus is on Southern Water to prove that they're up to the task. Um, Because at the moment, around here, their name is mud. A blue flag is is a sort of kite mark, a guarantee of quality. It says that you can come here with the kids, you can build your sandcastles because there won't be poo on the beach, 
um, and you can paddle in the, in, in the water and have a swim and it'll be safe. And when you lose that assurance, of course it will have an impact. And again, this is a tourism dependent economy. There's very little other industry in Thanet these days. And tourism is the future of, of, of the local economy here. And until we have faith, people can come here and have faith in the beaches, it's going to be an uphill struggle. The Kent Online Podcast with Blue Butterfly, Earl Street, Maidstone. A Kent MP is going to lead a backbench group scrutinising the government over climate change decisions. South Thanet's Craig McKinley says they'll need to show both sides of the argument in the drive to tackle the crisis. The Net Zero Scrutiny Group is aiming to make sure there's a fair debate and the UK doesn't sign up to unrealistic promises. Campaigners aiming to create a statue of the woman who founded the RSPB are in Kent today. Emily Williamson was an eco-pioneer during the Victorian era and set up a foundation to help protect birds. Four shortlisted designs will be on display in Dungeness and people are being asked to vote for their favourite. A hotel in Medway has had to close its restaurant because of staff shortages and recruitment problems. The Vines in Rochester has been unable to hire enough chefs and waiters since Covid restrictions lifted. It's feared many workers have left the hospitality industry during the lockdowns. Now, there are worries that the rural character of Sittingbourne would be changed forever if a major housing development is given the go-ahead. Up to 10,000 homes could be built in and around the town, along with schools, relief roads and 520 acres of parks. But the area's MP, Gordon Henderson, is calling for a public inquiry into the proposed Highstead Garden Village amid fears of more traffic problems and the impact on the countryside. Richard Palmer is an independent on Swale Council. I think the residents are quite right when they talk about the lack of infrastructure. The infrastructure is just far more than just roads and roundabouts, etc. 8,000 houses in one place is totally unacceptable. What must be realised is even Swale Council have to apply the numbers as dictated to by the Conservative government. Our hands have been tied by the numbers imposed by central government. Developer Quinn Estates says their project is the only one solving long-term infrastructure issues in the area. Phil at KMTV has been speaking with Alan Myers, who lives in the area. He fears it won't cope. Well, it is of great concern. My major concern is that of infrastructure, as you said. Uh, The infrastructure at the moment, I would say, is inadequate. As uh, rush hour and uh, school... uh, both in the morning and in the evening, the traffic can be very heavy indeed. And this development appears to join Sittingbourne to Tenham and stretch all the way out to the A2 towards the south. Uh, and yeah, as far as infrastructure is concerned, the roads will be inadequate, schooling will be inadequate, doctor surgeries uh, and other services such as shopping uh, shops. You mentioned GPs as well, that's always a kind of hot topic. Are you fearing that things like getting an appointment GP might be a little bit harder now? It's very difficult as it is already and there was a time only a matter of a a few years ago, maybe the last two or three years, where there was a a shortage of GPs in the area and I can only see that becoming worse. What's the feeling in Sittingbourne? Because we've we've done so much on housing developments around Sittingbourne and we know there's always plans for hundreds of homes going here and there. Are you guys pretty fed up with seeing homes popping up around your area? It always seems that every time you go out, there's a new development springing up in one corner of the uh, the town or another. And I, I think it's got to the point where we've reached saturation level now. And the infrastructure just isn't there for it. Uh, we touched upon GPs, but the same can be said of schools and, and even uh, shopping. 
there's just not enough schools or, or shops and that'll be the case with 8,000 additional homes. Um, it's obviously the loss of green space as well obviously you know when you kind of drive around and you're going through the narrow fields and all that kind of stuff it's, it's nice kind of having fields around is that is that a concern to you at all as well? Yeah I'm very concerned about where green space. yes very very much so there doesn't appear to be any ground uh, brownfield development uh, incorporated into this uh, proposal the uh, proposal seems to uh, bridge between Tenham and Sittingbourne and out to the south where the M2 is and that's all agricultural land there's very little brown field there and the loss of uh, some of those environments including uh, a, a wood near where we are would be devastating. It's emerged Kent will remain disconnected from Europe's high-speed rail network despite a rise in passenger numbers post-lockdown. Eurostar says it has no immediate plans to reintroduce direct services from either Ashford or Ebbsfleet. It means the county's two international stations can't expect Eurostar trains to call until 2022 at the earliest. A 10-week-old kitten has been rescued after being found with horrific injuries near Sittingbourne. The cat, who's been named Bandit, managed to crawl into a couple's garden in Bobbing Hill and they heard him crying in the middle of the night. He's been taken in by the cat's protection charity and is recovering well despite having his tail amputated. They're trying to raise £3,000 to cover the cost of his surgery and treatment. A Kent man claims Tesco have been sending him mouldy fruit in his shopping delivery. Clifford Stiles from Sellinge between Ashford and Hythe says that numerous deliveries have included food that has passed or is on its expiry date. You can see pictures of some of it at Kent Online. Tesco have been approached for a comment. A Medway couple are raising money for a baby loss charity after their second child was stillborn. Laura and Adam Gom from Lordswood in Chatham were told during a 32-week scan that their son had no heartbeat. They've raised more than £3,000 for Rochester-based Abigail's footsteps. A pop-up vaccination clinic that was set up at a summer fete in Hearn Bay has been targeted by anti-vaxxers. Health bosses say they've braced themselves for the arrival of activists at Memorial Park, where staff were verbally abused. Dozens are said to have stood near the park surgery stand for several hours, with patients also being shouted at. Bookings for two Kent theatres will be put on hold next year as they consider their future. Showings at the Theatre Royal and the Winter Gardens in Margate will be honoured until April and August, respectively. The council, which owns their freehold, says the pause in operations will allow a new long-term direction to be identified. And ending the podcast today with two bits of TV news. The second season of a hit show set in Hyde will be released at the end of the month. Back to Life was created by and stars Daisy Haggard as a woman who's returned to her hometown after a lengthy prison sentence. And Alan Carr has been spotted filming on the Kent coast. The TV comic has spent time in Margate's Old Town where he was seen cruising in a red Ford Capri, ordering fish and chips and interacting with fans. He's believed to be filming his series Interior Design Masters with Alan Carr. That's all for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. You can also download the IM News app to get access to all KM Group newspapers. Just head to subsaver.co.uk. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Blue Butterfly, the go-to cocktail bar and place to meet on Earl Street, Maidstone. BlueButterfly.co.uk